The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today is a former WCW superstar, a two-time NWA Wildside Junior Heavyweight Champion. You may know him as Air Paris, but he is Frank Paris. Frank, welcome in to the two-man power trip. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, man, just call me Frank. No need for the sir, but thank you for the introduction. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you having me. So what's been going on in your world? What are you up to? Um, man, other than just trying to be the best dad I can be every day, which is, um, about 10 years ago when we had our first daughter, that was the, the mission I set out to do. Um, you, you find out pretty quick. It's, it's so weird to hear me talking about having kids, uh, even in my own head, uh, 21 year old me, I, I told Bill Barron's one day, I said, if you'd told me I'd have a house full of girls at 21, I would have laughed your head off. But, um, just other than trying to make sure these girls are good human beings and safe and happy and healthy, man, just, uh, just, uh, really enjoying life and, and just opened a new business actually. Yeah. Are you doing optometry now? Is that what I saw? Um, yeah. So I've actually been in, um, the optometry field. I'm, I'm not anywhere near, uh, an optometrist or, or an ophthalmologist. I work with an optometrist. Um, we actually opened a, it's a private practice, basically a retail optical store, um, down in Rome, Georgia, where I've wrestled everybody in the wrestling business, basically. But um, we opened a, a, a it's it's we, we have everything from value frames for people who can't afford, um, you know, your name brands to coach in Oakley, Ray-Ban, Costa. Um, we have eye exams, we have eye doctors on on call basically every day of the week as well as my doctors on site um yeah it's uh, it, again it's something I, I guess i should say again if you told 21 year old me that i'd be a, a partner in an, an optometric business i would have probably laughed at you but man 2020 and 2021 are, are wilder by the minute yeah how'd you get into that how'd you get into that field that's interesting so um 
it's a, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version. So I went, you know, once WCW folded, I kind of started just basically following my favorite band around the country, um, which Bill Barron's gives me crap for in every interview he does. But um, I followed Watchford Panic around the country for about 10 years. And then I needed a real job. So I just kind of got into your, your basic retail stuff and went into management like a lot of us do. You know, I mean, we're all if you've ever been a wrestler and had to lead somebody in a wrestling match or, or carry a crowd, you know, um, leadership is an easy thing at that point, <laughs> which it's kind of weird how it translates into that. But, you know, um, and so I ended up going into I ran a, a vision center in a, the world's largest retailer for about six years. Um, and the optometrist uh, it just became one of my best friends in the entire world. And here we are, man. He taught me um, a lot of stuff that he knows. Uh, so, I mean, every day that I've worked with him, I've learned something new. And now we kind of got to the point where we said, Hey man, let's get out from under this corporate umbrella. Let's do our own thing. And then here we are. Pretty cool. Definitely not what you expect from a wrestler, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, I actually reached out to one of the radio stations here in town, um, about doing some spots. Maybe I said, Hey, just come look at our, our operation. If it, if it's something you'd like to promote, great. If it's not, then, you know, I'll, I'll give you, you know, a free exam, come check us out. Me and the guy started talking and one of the, the folks that works with him is a huge wrestling fan. So that came up. So they, they ended up, they've done a whole campaign based around pro wrestling themed stuff and us, you know, laying a smack down on prices and this kind of stuff. It's, I, I ran away from wrestling for a long time, but you know, the older I get, the more I realize that it's, it's something I'll never ever get away from completely. And, and that's a good thing. Wrestling was good to me. So. So you mentioned Bill Barron's. Is that how you broke in? Was it under Bill? Um, no, I, I owe Bill probably the, the lion's share of the credit for any, uh, I, I don't want to use the word fame cause I was never famous, but um, any amount of big time experience that I got when I first, I actually first broke into wrestling in uh, 1993. I had my first match in a little town called Gore, Georgia, G O R E, just like Rhino's finish. And, uh, basically got squashed in about 35 seconds. Um, I started wrestling really, really just awful local independence, uh, against people that nobody's ever heard of. You know, we were lucky. At those shows, if we had somebody in who was a like a, an enhancement or a job guy on TV, like a Pat Rose, you know, Pat's a, a legend. Oh, I yeah. love Pat. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it, but Pat was a big name when he came and wrestled on our shows. You know, uh, Bob Cook, those guys, uh, even, uh, oh gosh, there was a guy named Larry Santana or Larry Santos, what he wrestled at is on, on NWA or WCW. Those guys were big names when they come and wrestled on the shows I was on because they were on WCW TV, even though they were just just doing jobs, but that's the kind of indies I worked for quite a long time until I got uh, hooked up with David Young and got in with North Georgia, uh, North Georgia Wrestling Alliance out of Rome. So how did you kind of get hooked up with David Young? Man, that's one of those just life being good to me moments. Um, it's kind of like getting hooked up with AJ Styles, you know, getting put in a, in a having your name written beside him on a show one night and then you get in the ring and it's just magic. It's, that's how it was with David. Um, not sure where our first match was. I, I want to say it was in a town called White, Georgia, um, down between where I live and Atlanta. But just, I mean, I'd, I'd grown up idolizing David because David was one of those guys. He was, you know, a huge star to me. But even though David was great, David never got the credit that he deserved. But he was on WCW and WWE or WWF at the time. 
um, doing enhancement matches. So I was like, this guy's on television. He's a huge star, you know, and they, he was doing things even at David size that, that guys weren't doing on any other, any other independents. So I just kind of at, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old and he'll kill me for that. I, I, David was my hero. So to get to actually wrestling and then it click and it work. Cause David, he, he'll tell you quickly. He hated me beforehand. Cause um, I was that, that little young guy who just kind of followed him around and tried to soak up everything he was saying, which looking back, soaking up everything David Young is saying is probably not good for anybody, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. somebody young in the business. Um, but yeah, just somewhere along the line that uh, got penciled in against him. Um, was, you know, gratefully or thankfully, uh, he took care of me. We had a good match and, and then we went on to do it. God, I'd say another five, 600 times so all across the country. With you and wrestling, were you always a fan? Like, was it always something you wanted to get into? Did you always love the business? Oh, absolutely. Um, my first memory of wrestling, we had, I had one of those great grandfathers or great, great grandfathers who was the old guy who would sit in his chair, you know, the big, back in the old days when you, your easy chair was a really stiff, it was made of wood with like one cushion with flowers and a, like a, a Thanksgiving theme on, you know, those old chairs I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Uh, everybody's grandfather or great grandfather had those chairs in that couch. Right. So he would sit in that chair in his overalls, his Liberty overalls, and he would chew his tobacco and spit in the cup and watch his wrestling or wrestling as they would call it. Um, and here we, we always had the, the NWA. Um, and he was one of those guys, he would come out of his chair mad, you know, uh, heels, you know, cheating, he would come out and he would react. And when baby faces were doing stuff, he, he was always really, really responsive. And, the first memory I have, I'm not sure who it was against, but I, it was Ricky and Robert. Um, you know, uh, the Rock and Roll Express—they just came off the screen. Um, you, you know, you know Ricky and Robert. That oh, charisma yeah. just—it just jumps off the screen at you. That they're one of those acts, man. That and I hate to use the word act for those guys, but they're one of those those teams and those those personalities that just came through the television and and just. They, if you got wrestling, the Rock and Roll Express got you. They grabbed you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. They're one of the all-time greatest. If oh my gosh! Greatest, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I'm I'm a heel fan, um, and I catch a lot of flack because I'm more a bit more. Of a, I wouldn't tell who this, but I'm more of a, a Midnight Express fan, and then my favorite tag team of all time, uh, Demolition. I love Bill Eady and you know and uh, Barry. So. I catch a lot of flack for that from my Road Warrior fan buddies. Hey, I'm a Midnight Express guy, too. I love the Midnights. Were you more of a Dennis guy or a Stan? Stan. Oh, my gosh, man. Stan. And, you know, I got to be around Dennis a bit. And Dennis was one of those guys. He was so believable. But when I was finally kind of getting my my mind around the business, Stan was one of those guys. He, he, you know, show business was there, but he was still one of those guys that could kick your butt. So, yeah, I was more of a Bobby and Bobby and Stan guy. So as you're kind of getting in the business, like where do you kind of first make a name for yourself as far as, was it like Music City? Was it Wild Side? Where do you first kind of make the name for yourself in the business? Well, um, so when I hooked up with David, and you have to forgive me, dates are always kind of foggy for me, years and all that. So you know how wrestler brain is. But um, once I hooked up with David and we really started taking off, um, we wrestled a match in white georgia uh the day after christmas in 1990 
I want to say 1996, and he threw me off the top of a concession stand that was about 13 feet tall. This is when ECW was really hot. Um, we used to have WCW guys like uh, James Vandenberg, um, Canyon, Brian Clark, and those guys. They would all come out to our shows, along with Scott Hudson and some of those other guys. But um, actually, they we climbed up on the top of this concession stand, and David pressed me over his head and threw me off through a table. And then our finish, we did a superplex off like a legit 15-foot ladder. And then the very finish of the match, I actually climbed uh, that ladder and stood on a, a basketball goal and did a splash off through a table onto, onto David. That was our finish. So that's the match that kind of put us on the map as far as people. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I had buzz at that point because I was 140 pounds, but um, David says that's one where people started noticing him a lot. So I think that probably put me at least on some people's radar. Um, but once I started working for Bill – and he gave me the Air Paris name instead of the, the awful one I was using before. Um, and then I, that's when I transitioned to Wildside and then and also Music City. That's when I'd say it really took off. What was the name they were using before? Uh, I wrestled as Kid Ego. And I had a skateboard uh, that, I, yeah. that I had no idea how to ride. So if anybody ever called me out if, as a heel, if a fan ever called me out and wanted me to ride the skateboard, I would have been uh, just out of luck. That's like the dynamic dudes, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. They didn't know how to ride a skateboard either, but they were the dynamic dudes. They had to have the skateboard. Yeah, and you know what's funny is one of those guys fired me. The other one was good to me, and they could both ride a skateboard better than I could to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, good old Johnny Ace. Uh, How'd how'd you know? (laughs) Uh, You've got to figure, right? He's uh, actually still in the same position, or he's back in that same position in WWE. Yeah, it's funny. I told told somebody in an interview a while back, I said that when Johnny called me, he said, uh, and I won't try to do the voice. um, He said, don't worry, kid. I love you guys. Give me six months, and then I'm going to bring you guys up. And I, I'm, you know, not to be not to be too optimistic, but I did see that AJ's been there a little bit. So I'm thinking that my call is probably coming soon. Hello? Yep. And did you get a call? <laughs> no, no, Lord. I'm just being funny, dude. It's 20 years later. AJ's, <laughs> AJ, AJ's there now. That's my... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... I'm I, thought you, I thought you meant no. like at Heartland in like 01. I'm like, oh, okay. Interesting. No, yeah. no. I mean now. AJ's there now in 2021. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I've got, yeah. I've, I've got to be getting a call soon. Oh, yeah. That joke. <laughs> I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, 01 <laughs> Heartland. Yeah, maybe you're going to Ohio. Yeah. No, nope, never got a a call for any of that stuff. Thank, thankfully, I probably would have took it and been miserable. But, um, but no, I was just trying to be a little bit funny about twenty one. It's funny, Johnny. He's still there after all these years. Isn't that crazy? It's still in and still good power, and still hasn't gotten me a job. I mean, extra spots, brother. Hook hook me up. You got to call him and say, "Hey, remember twenty years ago? You <laughs> promised me." <laughs> I bet he's got a different number now. Yeah. More than likely, yeah. But as far as like you, as you're kind of coming along and really kind of making a name for yourself, like you said, your your kid ego, then you get the, the name change to Air Paris. Are you putting on some weight? Are you you know are you starting to uh, fill out? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I I covered up. I went the other way. Instead of getting in the gym, I took the Hardy Boy look and and ran with it. I was one of those guys. The you know the ninety nine two thousand. Um, indie surge of guys who wore hardy ba- hardy pants and shirts. Yep. Um, I, I feel like I did it probably better than most of them, but that's probably just because I needed to wear the baggy pants to cover up my skinny legs and 
the shirt to cover up my buggy whip arms. So, um, but yeah, I was one of those guys. Now I never, I never was a gym guy. As you can see, I, I think I actually ended up, um, Bill complimented me in a, in an interview he did the other day. He said that I'm in better shape at 42 than I ever was when I was wrestling. So not sure if he's backhanded complimenting me or just giving me a straight ahead compliment, but either way, I'm, I'm definitely more focused phys- uh, physically than I, than I ever was wrestling. Are you thinking about getting back in the ring? No, gosh, no. I'm thinking I want to see my kids grow up. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the weird thing about me was, um, I was in a retail job and I looked up and I was weighing 249 pounds. Me at basically I didn't hit 250, but I was 249 pounds. And I said, you know, we got to figure something out because I was at the point where blood pressure was getting a little bit weird. Um, I'd seen DDP and he patted me on my gut and he's like, we're, you know, what are we going to do about this? And I said, man, I, I like to, I like to drink some beers. He said, you better start earning them. And I said, yes, sir. So, um, man, I just looked at my little girls and I thought, man, you know what? If I, if I don't do something and I don't change, I mean, that was the heaviest I was ever been. I never realized cause it's so gradual how miserable I was, um, carrying all that extra weight around, you know, tying your shoes is a chore at that, at that or for me, it was at that point. Um, and so I just, honestly, just one day I, I told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm going to build a gym out in the, our building out back. And I ordered a bunch of stuff and, Started training two days a week, then it was three days a week, then it was four days a week, then we got to six days a week, and the next thing you know, I was 198 pounds and had had abs for the first time in my life, even though I was 145 pounds back in the day, and um, went to the doctor, and she's like, man, everything's great, so it's just it's just one of those things where I, I'd gotten so far out of shape physically now that uh, that's why I ended up getting in shape, you know, at that point. Are you sure you're not uh, training for a return? Are you sure? <laughs> Brother, I, I'll be honest. If I fall down now, you'll have to help me up. I don't think I can take a bump and get back up, you know, uh, on my own. Uh, I, I've done a, a couple things with wrestling, at full transparency. I, I did a retirement match, and I was so fat, and I hated it. And so fast forward about a year and a half later during COVID, um, and Luke Gallows reached out to me about doing Talking Shop of Mania 1 and about doing one of the cameos. I think I was maybe the first cameo during their spoof of the Boneyard match um, with him and, and Carl Anderson. And so I did that. And he's like, he said, dude, you like you look great. We should wrestle. And I said, you're an idiot, dude. <laughs> you're, you're insane. Mm-hmm. But you know what I love about him is he's the ultimate optimist. I, the thing about Gallows is he's always happy and he's always like, there's nothing that can't be done. Right. I think that's one of the reasons those guys have been so successful after their initial release with WWE. But yeah, he, he said, man, come do this match with me and we'll do like a hacksaw Jim Duggan match. It'll be super slow. It'll be like a WWE Saturday night match. And I'm like, okay, we can do it. So we get ready for the match. And then the day of it, he's like, ah, don't worry about it. It's, it's and no way. Jose had just gotten released. He's like, we'll do a tag match. It'll be you and uh, Alexander Koloff against me and uh, me and no way. Jose. And I hadn't looked at boots in like a year and a half, almost two years. I hadn't looked at a wrestling ring in this long. And so I looked at my wife and I said, who in the world takes two years off and then goes, does an impact plus taping against two just, just literally just released WWE guys. And she said, I guess you do. <laughs> and I said, I guess it's me. I guess I do. So went and did it and had fun with those guys. And, and I've done several shows with Drew and, uh, on his Larry Auto Pro wrestling that he runs out of Georgia that are impacted 
impact plus tapings, but um, it's always something easy. It's always something safe where I know that I'll, I'll get to go home and, and not get hurt. So th- those are fun. If I can do those kind of things, I'll, I absolutely will. But anything that's serious or where I would have to take a lot of chances, man, I just, I'm not sure. I, I My kids mean more to me than that does the chance to wrestle does. When was the last time you wrestled? Was that over the summer? Um, I wrestled. Yeah, I, I would, I think it was July or August. I think so. Yeah. And that was just for, for Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I've done two for gallows in the last, in this year. Um, I got to one, we did a show. Do you know who, um, do you, you follow MLW? I assume, right? Yes. So Mads Kruger, um, yes. Lo- Logan Creed, good friend of mine, uh, was doing a match with him and Francisco Chiazzo as the heels. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember Francisco. For, yep. Oh, I love Chiazzo, man. Frankie's a, a heck of a guy. He's one of those guys I could wrestle every night. Um, and and I, I would. If I was going to wrestle, and I, I could pick somebody who would be Frankie every night just because he's such a pro, and I know he's always going to send me home in the shape I came in. So, um, But it was us and a, a kid that out of Georgia who was really, really good named Kevin Ryan. Have you seen Kevin Ryan yet? I've heard the name. I'm not that familiar with him, though, no. He he's AJ Styles when AJ first started. He needs a ton of polish, um, but he has the the attitude and the drive and the athletic ability to do anything that you ask him to do. He's one of those kids. Like he's he's definitely somebody to keep your eyes on. He's going to be a big star. I mean, I told him I said just don't get hurt before you become famous. Just don't do that, and you'll be fine. Um, but we were doing this match, and um, Kevin comes up and Logan, and they're like, hey, you know, Logan's you know seven feet tall. They're like, you ever done a top rope Spanish fly? And I said, no, no, never have. And he goes, oh, never mind. We'll scratch it. And I said, no, let's let's do it. And I haven't been in the ring at this point in, you know, six months or so. And so they're like, are you sure? And I said, sure, why not? I mean, it's the thing Chris Jericho always says, you know, if they ask you if you can tap dance, you, of course, yeah. And then you just figure out how to tap dance, right? <laughs> right. So we did this and it sort of made its way around the internet a little bit, me doing a, a top rope double Spanish fly on uh, Logan Creed. Oddly enough on the, Oh gosh, the 20th anniversary of the very last Nitro. Oh, did I lose you? Nope. You're back. Okay. There we go. But yeah, it was on the very last, uh, the, the anniversary of the very last Nitro that I did that, <laughs> that, that um, the double Spanish fly. A guy on Twitter said, I can't believe it's 20 years to the day of the last Nitro, and I'm watching Air Paris do um, a match here in Rome, Georgia. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. And was it on purpose that it was on the 20? That just was a coincidence. I, I, I had absolutely no idea until I saw the tweet. So, like, what's the thought process of you, like, doing crazy moves like that? We just, like, screw it, I'll just... I'll do it, or or you want to prove something? Like, hey, I could still do, I could still go, I could hang with these guys. Nah, man, no, honestly, it was just those guys asked; they wanted to do it, and I'm one of those those guys. I mean, basically, I mean, it's just a moonsault, and I I can do that. I mean, at least I I used to could. So, I mean, why not? Let's try it. We'll, we'll if it doesn't work out, it, it'll make for a great internet moment, one way or the other. It's going to be either a really positive one or a really negative one. When he calls you again are you are you only doing like multiple man matches or or would you be up for a little one-on-one match 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've wrestled. Well, I say I, I, I wrestled Kiazzo in a singles, a couple singles matches, but they were all kind of short. Um, I mean, as long as, and I know Drew or Gallows would never put me into anything that's unsafe or that I wouldn't be comfortable with. I'm up for kind of anything. It's just, man, you got guys on these shows like John Schuyler and Rich Swan and, and, you know, I mean, all those guys that he's using that, that Drew's using and the, there's no way that I can keep up with those guys. So I, I'm sort of a, <laughs> it's funny for me to say it at 42, but I'm a nostalgia act. Um, you know, the people who, who do remember me for whatever, um, yeah, I can't, I can't do a 20 minute Broadway and do all those false finishes anymore that I used to do, but, um, we can certainly find a way to, to do that. And I learned in Tennessee when I was working in music city, there's a thing called the Tennessee waltz, you know, that Lawler did for uh, still, um, and Dundee and all those guys, you can get a whole lot out of very little, as long as you can make a crowd care about what you're doing. Um, and so, so, you know, if it's a town where people know me or somewhere close to where I'm from and we can do that Tennessee waltz, yeah, shoot, yeah. I, I, I talked with Rich Juan at the last show about maybe doing something with him. And I said, Rich, you'd just have to really slow down. He said, brother, no worries. He said, man, it, I mean, you'd, you'd call it, we'll just song and dance the whole thing. So, um, and see, that would be fun for me because Rich is one of those guys I respect a ton and would love to wrestle him. I just don't want to be the guy who has a bad Rich Swan match. Does that make sense? Yep. I just, I would hate to slow him. I would hate to slow him down so bad that people um, would, would give him a, a bad rating on a match. So, you know, you mentioned that guy, Kevin Ryan, right? He was kind of like uh, the next AJ maybe, but let's rewind to back when you first met the real AJ Styles okay. all those many, many years ago. Where did you first meet him? Was it 99, 2000 era, whatever it was, 2001 era? Was it down in Georgia with uh, Bill Barron's? Yeah, it had to be. And again, dates I'm bad with. It was either 98 or 99. Um, AJ was around all those shows. Um, we were doing a lot of shows in Atlanta, um, different bars and, and nightclubs. Forgive me. Um, but all over the all over the state, there were all these shows that were happening, uh, you know, because WCW was out trying to sign all the cruiserweights, all the small guys. Um, don't remember the exact first moment I met him. And I honestly, I wish I could remember the exact date of the first match we had. Um, he's one of those guys, just like with David Young, where it was just, you lock up and it's just, there's chemistry. I mean, you kind of, you can, you get a pretty good feel in the first couple of minutes you're in the ring with somebody, if it's going to be good or not. Uh, now, uh, in all fairness, um, I don't think AJ's ever had a bad match, <laughs> um, so I'm not I'm not going to give myself a, a you know a huge amount of credit for having great matches with him, um, but I think in those early developmental years that uh, when we were both trying to find our way and into working in a, a bigger style than what we were doing instead of doing that Georgia indie style, um, I think I, I I'd like to think I had a big hand in, in sort of helping maybe mold him into the, not not who he is now but kind of setting him along that path of of kind of developing as a wrestler. I, that's me tap dancing around saying, I think I helped him a lot, but I don't really want to take any credit because he was already going to be really, really good. When do you start like feuding with him? I guess it would probably be around that same period. Or do you guys start teaming up first? Like what was the, the transition? Did you tag or were you feuding? No. So it's funny. The, uh, we never tagged until, well, no, that may be a lie. And again, dates are fuzzy. I don't think we actually tagged until WCW, though. Um, 
we were bitter, bitter rivals. We, I had a faction in Wildside called Suicidal Tendencies. Um, me, John Phoenix, Adam Jacobs, and Jason Cross. Um, we were trying to be the the young, cool kind of hip heels um, who did the cruiserweight style. Um, and AJ was in the uh, the NWA Elite with Jeff G. Bailey and and Onyx and and Terry Knight and all those guys. So Bill saw kind of, I guess, the spark between me and AJ in the ring and then said, hey, let's keep there's something here. Let's keep kind of finding our way through this angle. And so we started feuding and it felt like we wrestled. Gosh, it felt like we did it. Uh, our angle was a year straight, probably. Um, but we sold out every show that we had. I mean, we worked other people in and out of the angles. We did tags. We did six mans. We had title swaps. Um we did a we did a, a month of TV around me me and him both wrestling Sabu for the NWA World Title back to back nights. So it was I mean it was a really we kept it really fresh. Um, I think we swapped heel and babyface spots somewhere in the middle there. Um, and yeah, then you you look up and all of a sudden we're we go from being completely bitter blood rivals on the Indies to being tag a tag team on WCW. Yeah, that's. Uh interesting but obviously uh me being like a wcw fan wasn't that familiar because i'm not from the george area of the indie scene but a buddy of mine loves that like time period loved jeff g bailey <laughs> loves all those guys uh iceberg you know all those guys he loves all the george oh area. gosh yeah well you know i mean that place you know what did you ever have a teacher or an adult tell you when you were in high school these are these are going to be the best times of your life and you just kind of looked at them like whatever and you didn't believe them Yes, that's oh, yes. I, I mean, that that's wild side for me, man. You know, I, I, I looked around and I knew it was fun. But I mean, gosh, you look at that locker room and that roster. Um, Bill posted a uh, just like a random locker room shot. And I'm like, is that is that Matt Seidel standing behind me? And literally and I never in my 21 year old uh, bubble or whatever, I never even realized that Matt Seidel worked around us. Um, everybody from Dusty Rhodes to uh, Shannon Moore, Shane Helms, everybody, Terry Taylor wrestled in, in that building, that, right in that same ring that I wrestled in. Wildside's one of those magical times, man, and, I, and it's, it's easy to kind of always look back. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, Wildside was really cool, and I didn't I, – honestly, I had no idea how big a part and uh, how cool that place was and how big a part that Bill let me be of it as well. Who owns the footage? Does he still own all that footage or Bill? Yeah, I think Bill owns all of it. Um, he actually has a um, on Twitter. He's always pushing it. I think it's on IWTV. Um, all the wild side footage is there. Oh, OK. I was going to say, because I'm sure with like the AJ stuff, I'm sure WB or somebody would be highly interested in like all the names you just mentioned, all those guys coming in and out of there. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't. If if they haven't, um, if they've not made an attempt to at least purchase it or an offer, um, Bill knows what he has, though. So I mean, if you know Bill Barons, you know he's a smart guy and he's he's a good businessman. He's not going to just give anything away. But maybe that's why he's kind of sort of putting it back out there and and putting it all on the. Uh, and I want to say it's IWTV. If there's any way you could link it in the in the description just for bill just because he did so much for me that would be awesome but and then that way folks can check out Wildside and see how uh just how awesome that place was i mean i, I can't really brag on it too much because i was there a lot but um man that, that's just it was a magical time 
What did you think about AJ in the ring? Like you said, he wasn't as polished, but you saw a lot of potential, I guess. Oh, the, yeah, he's probably him or Elix Skipper are the most gifted natural athletes you've ever met. Alan's one of those guys I could, uh, I could, so Tekken, uh, I don't know if you know anything about video games. Tekken was a video game at the time. It was a fighting game, kind of a, yep. an arcade thing. And there were moves on there. I would just come in and I'd be like, hey, AJ, uh, you know, this character does this. And he's like, oh, yeah. I said, can we do that? And he's like, sure. I was like, should we practice it? And he's like, no, no, we're good. Um, you could just physically, if you could describe it to him or show it to him, there's nothing the guy couldn't do. And as soon as we started kind of incorporating psychology into our matches, which, you know, truth be told, I used psychology back in those days because he would blow me up and I would have to slow him down and then kind of walk and talk to catch my breath back, which I learned in, in, you know, Nashville and Memphis. So my psychology was really just me trying to slow him down and catch my breath. (laughs) Um, but once he started seeing that and, and how that you could take that audience on the ride with it, I mean, it clicked for him immediately. He, he he's one of those guys. He was just destined. Um, I don't know a better word for it than than just destined to be good at this stuff. With AJ, like just looking back, like man, you know, as a fan, you're like, man, this guy's got so much potential. But like his his um, promo skills weren't great. I mean, there was so much kind of to work there, but there was a ton of things you could say. Wow, he does this great. He's a great high flyer. Like once he puts it all together, he'd be great. Like now he's a great promo. But back then, you know, you just think like, okay, this guy he's got these, the real deep southern accent. He's not going to be a great promo, and he became one. Sure, um, yeah. So, but that's one of those things. Um... See, I feel like I was a pretty good talker back then. I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm I'm so I, like I'm terrified of public speaking now. It's 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 the weirdest thing when you come off wrestling and going back. I, I call it going to being a civilian after being a, a pro wrestler. Is it's one of the hardest transitions you'll ever have. So, um, but going back to Alan, his interviews, um, they put him uh, Jeff G. Bailey. I mean, he was a heel, had Jeff talking for him. So he, he was uh, sitting in a master class of promos for pro wrestling every single time he was on camera with Jeff. Um, I believe Jeff's one of those underrated guys who may have been just a little too, oh, God, too real for some people um, in pro wrestling. Jeff is a, Jeff's a great guy. Jeff is very intense, and Jeff comes across as intense in his promos because, he's again, he's real. Um, and I think that that may be the reason Jeff never got an opportunity to go on a bigger stage just because he was so intense. And and people may have misread that as him not being a professional um, or not being able to reel that in. Jeff, he, he could turn that on and off at a moment's notice. Um, one of the one of the really, really great pros and, and just an, an awesome mind and, and one of the best promos I ever worked around. Love Jeff Bailey. But they put AJ since AJ didn't have any of that that skill set yet they put him with Jeff and, and then Jeff just basically said, Hey, you know, just, this is just watch and learn. And I, I think that's how he picked up a lot of stuff. I feel like nowadays they don't do that as much, but back in the day, I remember they used to do it all the time. Like, all right, the guy's not that great. Well, we'll put him with a manager who could talk, you know, like you hide the, the weaknesses and, and really play. to the Absolutely. Family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many guys did Bobby Heenan have in the Heenan family at one point? Right, a ton. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at 15, 20 guys. I mean, good wrestlers, really extremely capable wrestlers, big stars and legends. Um, but the majority of them couldn't talk. I mean, you had your guys like Rick Rude who could talk. Um, but then you would have guys like, oh, gosh, I'm going to 
uh, maybe Greg Valentine or somebody like that who was not going to be a good promo, but could go out and deliver the goods in the ring. So Bobby would do all their talking for him. Yeah, absolutely. See, the thing is with, I feel like, I don't know why current wrestling, they, they try to almost be too smart for themselves. I don't know. Something is going on. Like they don't realize that, Hey, why don't we, you know, emphasize this guy's strengths more than try to make him cut promos when they sound horrible, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, bro, I'd hate to be a critic on anything modern. Um, I've, I am so disconnected from pro wrestling as far oh, as you don't the, watch the it anymore. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I, I try, like I catch, uh, I, I get mine the way I get news. I get it off social media. Um, so I watch my friends in clips and, and gifts and all that stuff on, on social media. But as far as being able to sit down and devote, um, you know, a couple of hours or an hour of time to television, man, I, I, I just don't have it between the kids and work. That's just I, pro wrestling's got to take a back seat at some point, I guess. That and throwing the the tennis ball for the dog, I, my time is kind of it's kind of <laughs> at a premium right now. So let's go to WCW. How did you get into WCW? Is that just the Bill Barron's thing, and him getting you guys in, or did you work Saturday nights and worldwide first, and then they bring you in? Um, combination of both. So Bill and Burt Prentice got me connected with Terry Taylor, um, and Terry started bringing guys up from both Wildside, but more so the Nashville. I think at this point we were, uh, I don't think we were Music City Wrestling. I think it was NWA Worldwide. Um, so guys like Mike Rapata and Corey, uh, Corey Williams, Ashley Hudson, Cassidy Riley, we were all getting taken to WCW every week as extra talent. Um, it's probably, you probably remember uh, R&B Security. Yes. Yeah, I was the yeah we were we were the infamous run and bump security as Storm likes to say because Storm was one of us too. Yes. Um, yeah, so we got brought in. We did worldwide matches. We did. Uh, I got to be on Saturday night one night, um, which was cool. Wrestled three count. Shannon and Shane actually vouched for me for that to for, to Jimmy Hart to get me the spot, which I'm eternally grateful. I think that was my first WCW match. Um, but yeah, we did all those and then was basically, we were just extra talent lost in that whole big shuffle. Cause you, I mean, you got to think they were, they were bringing 12 guys every Monday and Tuesday just to do a 30 second security spot. So they weren't looking at any of us like hard at any point. Um, I got picked by chronic. Uh, I wrestled them probably three or four times. I had a match with them and they liked me. Thank God. I like to tell Brian Clark, thank God they like me because if you if you've never stood in the ring and had the the chronic music hit and those two big dudes coming towards you to like to kick your butt, you've really never lived. Um, but yeah, got picked to wrestle those guys because they like me, like beating me up. Which I'm not sure if that's a, if that's a good thing or not. Um, but when we really got pulled in towards WCW, when it got to be something you know uh, wanting to hire us. Um, the story is that JJ and Terry were there um, and they saw something or one of the tapes that we were doing. I think Penzer told the story on his podcast that uh, Terry popped a tape in. And it was me working AJ and, and they were like, Oh my God, we got to We got to at least bring these guys in for a look. And Terry knew who we were already. So we got brought to um, Baltimore to do a dark match. Um, actually the night, the clip that keeps getting passed around on social media um, where me and Alan were, we were in line to get DDP's autograph for the book signing. Have you yes. seen this one? Yeah. So we get him, we get him arrested. We start arguing and then Paige stands up and I take the bump for him and <clears throat> forgive me. Um, and then we, so he gets arrested. We actually did our dark match that night. I think we did that pre-tape and then Randy got dressed 
then came out and wrestled each other. And then I had to get dressed again and then go back out because I believe I was in the, the front row for Jeff Jarrett to come over when Paige got arrested on his way to the ring. So I, I did, I was like Reba McIntyre. I was doing costume change after costume change. <laughs> That's a, um, but yeah, so we got called up to do that dark match. And about three days later, I had a FedEx in the mail where they had, uh, they'd offered us a contract. That is great. So who is like running things as far as the talent relations? Is it Johnny Ace and JJ Dillon or is it just JJ Dillon? Honestly, the only person I ever did, de- I dealt with two people as far as contract stuff was always, well, besides Bill and Bert, um, I dealt with Terry Taylor and Diana Myers was, oh, I don't okay. remember what, I don't remember what capacity she was in, but I remember she was really, really sweet and really helpful as far as trying to get us kind of uh, and onboarded is maybe not the right word, but getting us, you know, into the WCW system. Um, but yeah, I'm, Terry was basically our liaison. Uh, I, I don't really, I don't know who would be head of talent relations, but Terry was the guy that got us our job. So um, I would I would assume he had some sort of a pretty, I think he was an agent at the time, but he had a lot of stroke, I guess, through Eric. Do you remember how many years the contract was for? Oh yeah. Um, it was for three initially. Um, but it was very, very low money. Uh, it, and I don't want to quote the numbers, but I think it was probably the lowest contract um, they'd ever offered anybody. <laughs> Maybe uh, I think guys selling popcorn in the arena would have probably been making more than us, but, um, but hey, still, it was a it was a piece of paper with my name and the WCW logo on it. So I mean, I was ready to sign it right away. As soon as as soon as I opened the FedEx, I was ready to start slinging ink on it. So when did they like first put you on like TV as Air Paris? Was that Thunder against Courageous and Noble when they first put you and AJ together? I think so. Um, and, and again, you'll forgive me for timelines, but I believe it it may have been that. That was the first match. That was the really, really bad blue gear they put me in. Oh, my gosh. There was a fan on Twitter asking somebody to make a creative wrestler of me. Um, and they said, yeah, make the blue gear. And I was just, you know, you know how stuff pops over your name. And I said, oh, God, please not the blue gear. Make something else besides that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they they rolled us on the television pretty quickly. I think the, the, the people in the office knew that the company was, um, was not headed – in the right direction. So they were trying to just do anything they could not saying that they thought that I would move the needle by any means, but that cruiserweight tag team tournament was something I think they thought might. So, um, yeah, they, they kind of rushed us onto television pretty quickly. Um, and I was the most uncomfortable I'd ever been in my entire 21 years wearing a pair of tights. I had never worn tights in my entire life until they put me in them on national television. It was terrible. I hated it. Damn, you got to get used to those tights. Man, I, brother, I was a hardy boy wannabe. It's funny, when we were doing um, the wardrobe, the the first talk, they had me, you know, I'm standing there, you know, kind of in front of everybody with my shirt off, and they're like, yeah, well, we don't need somebody else to wear pants or shorts. And I'm thinking, you've got half the roster wearing pants and shorts right now. What's one more guy going to hurt? Like, if I, you want me to be me, just let me be me, and you'll get the best me you got, but. Yeah, so they put me in spandex and a terrible tank top, and and it was honestly one of the worst experiences of my entire life. <laughs> Just to be not to be too much of a downer on the interview, but I mean, gosh, you want to talk about um, being completely um, disheartened and and deflated, man? Yeah, every bit of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Confidence, self confidence that I had 
you know, going in. The, hey, these guys want me. They want me to be me. They, you know, they want to sign me. Then they want to change me, and they put me in something that's completely opposite of what I was doing. Yeah, gosh, you can go back and watch those matches, and you can just tell that I – I mean, I didn't even really try to get any offense in. I didn't, I didn't go to bat for myself to do anything in those matches, really. I just kind of wanted to stay out of the way. With that, is it one of those things where – like the agents communicating to you or Terry Taylor saying, Hey, you got to do this our way or how come they decided to go in that direction? It was just a wardrobe meeting at the, uh, at the headquarters. Basically they brought us in and had us kind of just, I mean, not disrobe and stand there naked or anything, but we just had to kind of stand there and, you know, in shorts and no shirt and just kind of go over ideas and spitball with the seamstress and some of the agents just as to what kind of look we thought we could do. Um, and, and that's what they came up with. And yeah, I mean, I, at that point, I was 21. I had a contract. I, mean, I wasn't going to push back too hard on anything, which in, in retrospect, I wish I had. Um, if I'd went out there, you know, I've heard Don Callis talk about um, going out um, wearing his leather jacket and with the, the long hair and everything when he we'd never asked to. And he got himself over. And it's one of those things where it's easier to ask um, forgiveness than permission sometimes. But he went out and he got over. So I'm, I think if I'd... I don't know that I would ever at 21 have the guts to do it, but if I'd, you know, put my regular gear on and went out and I was Air Paris from Wildside, I think they would have gotten a whole different guy in each match that they had me in. But, you know, that's that's all hindsight in 2020. So you guys are on TV, you know, like you said, pretty quickly, and you actually mm -hmm. guys get a win in February of 2001 on Thunder over Disco Inferno and Alex Red, a.k.a. the Boogie Knights. Yeah, for sure. Were you shocked that you uh, guys were getting this win? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story about that one. I, I think the statute of limitations has, has run out on that, but that was in Huntsville, if I'm not mistaken. And my parents, that's the only WCW show my parents ever got to come to. Um, my dad, Well, my dad actually came to a house show, the one house show we did too, but my mom was actually at that show um, in Huntsville, and it was a Nitro, I believe. Yeah, that one was on Nitro, wasn't it? That was Thunder. Yes. Was it? Okay. Yep. Uh, the Junk Dragons was on, was on Nitro. Um, so, yeah, so my parents are there, and I, I called my dad earlier, and dad's like, whatever you do, you got to be here on time. And he's like, fine, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm wrestling Disco and Alex. And he's like, oh, okay, well, we'll make sure we're there. And I said, but we're winning. Like, this could change, but we're winning this match. And he's like, holy crap, really? And I was like, yes. So just knowing my folks were in the in the audience and, the you know, the support they'd given me trying to come up through indies. And, you know, as a parent, I don't know that I could ever just let my kid go and, and travel the country and do the things that I, that I did um, and support them without just worrying, worrying myself crazy, you know. Um, so that was a really cool, even though it was, it was a small thing and it's a, a blip in the, the overall history of pro wrestling, um, to be able to kind of, and this, this may sound really, uh, way too, uh, mushy or whatever, but to be able to give them that moment, I mean, it's not a WrestleMania or anything, but that was, a, that was, a, I, that was their baby winning a match in a WCW ring, you know, on television. So, um, kind of just validated the whole thing that we'd been doing just, just a really cool moment, even though it was against disco. And Alex. So, <laughs> with that, like, how come you guys are getting the win? Are they saying like, "Hey, we want to give the cruiserweight division like a bit of a push here because we're going for the cruiserweight tag team title tournament"? You know, it was never communicated. Um, I actually found, and I'll look and see if there's anything on it. My mom brought me 
um, a ton of WCW stuff. And I actually have the, 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 the run sheet, the script for that whole, that whole show that includes that segment. I don't know if there's any verbiage or anything on it, but, but honestly, I think it, like you said, it was probably just sort of trying to pick up steam for that cruiserweight tag team tournament, just so we'd have a bit of credibility. If we'd been beaten every week going into it, then nobody would ever give us any, even a, a second look against Elix and Romeo, but maybe with that one win that, you know, maybe they kind of gave us a touch of credibility, kind of picking it up before that. So as you kind of going along in WWE, you're saying not so happy, but are you happy to be teaming with AJ? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, AJ is one of those people. Like I love AJ. We're, we are really different. We, we always have been, um, you know, I, that's not, um, that's not me speaking out of school or anything. Uh, I always like to go and drink and, and have fun. And or, well, I, let me rephrase that. I always like to go out and drink and do that kind of fun. AJ had fun doing, you know, different things, but as a person, man, as a friend and, and a tag team partner and a brother and a guy that I trusted in the ring. I mean, if there's one person I'm going to be forever linked to, um, through pro wrestling, I couldn't pick anybody better, man. Uh, he's a great dude. He treats my kid. Well, I, I you know, I talked with his, him and his family quite a bit and, I mean, it's somebody that my daughter can Google and not pull up a bunch of bad stuff. So when she says, my dad's a wrestler or my dad was a wrestler and he used to wrestle with AJ Styles, people aren't going to go, oh, okay. So he's linked to that guy. If that, if that makes any sense for you. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, me and Alan have always gotten along. Uh, never had a crossword, um, beat the crap out of each other a bunch in the ring, but just always, it's just one of those guys, man. I mean, even though we're different people, I mean, Opposites track sometimes, right? For sure. So what's he like uh, outside of the ring? Um, you know, I think he's really kind of shown himself a lot. He's a video gamer. I'm just, I mean, honestly, he's a good guy, man. Cares about his wife, loves his kids. I mean, the best way I've described AJ, um, and I've done it in a bunch of interviews, but he's a better person than he is a pro wrestler. And he just happens to be the probably the best pro wrestler in the world for the last 20 years. With you guys and, and WCW, by the way, I agree. He's a, he's awesome and one of the best. But as at this point, WCW, you guys are kind of so new there and so young. They decide to just kind of give you this air raid gimmick and put sure. the, the uh, I don't even overalls, not even overalls. I forget what the coveralls. Coveralls. Yeah. There you go. Coveralls. What do you think of an air raid and, and that gimmick? You know, looking back, I think there's some we had some opportunity for that. That could have really taken off if we'd have gotten really cheesy with it. Because um, when we got there, uh, well, you know, the week before they told us they were going to call us air raid and they got us flight suits made. <clears throat> Forgive me, I've got Georgia seasonal allergies going on. Um, and then I want to say it was Georgia Davidson bought us these really big aviator glasses. She said, I saw these at a gas station. I just had to buy these for you. Which, again, it was just being sweet, right? Um, so we've got these oversized aviators and these flight suits. And they're like, we've got like the the red, like the lights are going. Like they did a whole treatment for me and AJ as Air Raid. Um, and we used it once. I, I think it was only the one time that we actually ever used that that whole entrance and stuff. But um, had that carried forward, if something happened, you know, in an alternate timeline and, and pro wrestling, as we knew it, kept going – Man, if we could have done like a takeoff on Danger Zone for ring music and really just sort of, you know, come out chomping the gum and just really been, you know how pro wrestling is. I mean, if you find that niche, you kind of be cheesy enough to sort of 
be funny, but you can still deliver in the ring. And, and, and we'd have gotten comfortable. Man, people would have probably loved that thing. I think it's pretty cool, like the way you're saying it. Like, you'll go a little, uh, what's his name? Uh, Maverick and, and Iceman. Very, and go, very, very top gun. Yeah, the only but, part is, yeah. the only bad part is, at some point in the movie, one of those guys dies, right? I'm, I'm not a movie watcher, but I think one of those guys dies. Um, yes. But, yes. So, not, so, not Maverick. <laughs> yes. You got to be Maverick. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think time has shown that I am definitely not Maverick <laughs> at that point. Um, but <laughs> um, at least pro wrestling wise. But yeah, I mean, I think that could have been a really fun gimmick. And, and honestly, if you watch and, you know, I told you to watch those other matches and you can see how uncomfortable I was. Mm-hmm. Watch that match we had. And that's against the Young Dragons, I believe. If you go watch that match, Kaz and Jimmy were both friends. Um, Kaz Hayashi is extremely criminally underrated i think he was like a mini great muda um just watch the way he moves and the way he sells and his facials kaz hayashi was unbelievable and it was for me an absolute honor to get wrestling i think kaz he was one of those guys i just a dream opponent for me um jimmy i came up in in georgia with jimmy and he again jimmy's one of those guys a lot like aj he's a heck of a guy man um i saw him actually at the last show i did with gallows um, he's out and looks exactly like he did 20 years ago. Have you seen Jimmy in 2021? Yes. I actually talked to he, him not that long ago. Yeah. He's, he, he looks he's outstanding. Looks young, yeah. 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 And I mean, he, and I, I thought, you know, he, he was going to do a match and I thought, man, I wonder if he's going to be as slow as I am now. <laughs> no, he's not. Jimmy's out there still doing everything he ever did. And just as crisp and as smooth and just as perfect as he always did. Um, so that match, if you go and watch that match with, with the dragons, you can see there's more confidence building in me and it's right before the rug got pulled out from under us. So they finally got me into some gear that I was a little more comfortable in. They got us, you know, a little time. I was, I started to kind of feel like I was settling in and was part of the team a little bit more. And I actually, I think that's the one I did more offense in than anything. And I, I think that just, that, that's attributed to me being more comfortable in the whole environment. If, if that makes sense for you. Um, so, yeah, I think if that, that trajectory had kept on, you know, six, eight months down the road, who knows what kind of matches we could have been having. We could have went back and revisited that that match with Jamie and, and Evan, and um, and I could have given Jamie Noble the, the match he deserved out of me. Yeah, and I feel like they were really putting more stock into the Cruiserweight division because, you know, in, in 96, 97, I mean, that was their bread and butter to go along with the NWO. They had mm-hmm. all those great Cruiserweights, so it's almost like, okay, we're going to do it again. We got Ray, we got Chavo, we got Shane Helms. We have the Cruiserweight Tag Team titles now. I mean, they were really putting a lot of effort. And then, of course, in the tournament, you and um, AJ lose to Skipper and Kid Romeo, who they were also giving a big push to. So it seemed mm-hmm. like they were really making a strong effort to re, you know, assess and, and re try to like repush, if you will, the uh, yeah. Cruiserweight division. Yeah, just kind of light that fire under the Cruiserweight division again is kind of where you're going, I think. I mean, Shane was a what a great cruiserweight champion he was. I mean, Shane, the sugar Shane gimmick that he was doing, um, man, he had found his stride. I mean, if he'd kept going, Shane's a big dude. I don't know if people realize how Shane's a good sized fella. Um, you know, if WCW had, had gone on another two or three years, I mean, at least us champion, if not at some point, you know, as, as smart as he is, he, he could have probably, you know, a whole new WCW, he could have been a world champion. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. 
Um, he was getting his body right. He was in killer shape. The gimmick was good. He was his his work was you know outstanding as always. Um, there was talk I've heard, and I don't I, I I never heard it personally, but there was talk that they were going to push me and AJ, if not over in that tournament, at least deeper into it. Um, of course, <laughs> they thought better of it um, and had me beat in the first round. But um, there uh, I heard chatter that they were they were talking about maybe doing some sort of a shocker or something like that with that. But um, that's nothing I can, that's all unfounded. I can't, I can't actually attest to it in person or anything. And like you mentioned a week later, you get the rug pulled out from under you and Absolutely. WCW is, is over. That, that was a total shock to you. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we knew, um, we knew that stuff wasn't great, um, but nobody, you know, and, and I was, I was so far down the ladder as far as, um, company hierarchy nobody nobody owed or you know owed me an explanation or anything on uh, on the situation and you know i didn't ask for anything um we'd heard that the most likely situation was and this is actually coming i believe from shane that the company was going to go dark for about six months and that eric was buying the company where we we're going to go completely dark and start doing house shows just to build um i guess suspense or intrigue or or uh just buzz back around the product, just go around doing house shows without any TV to support and try to get people back, you know, interested in WCW. And then it was going to relaunch. Of course, we all know that didn't happen. And, um, and, and, you know, and WWE bought the company. So. Was there ever any time when you thought that you were going to be working for WWE? I know we kind of talked around before about Johnny Ace, but was there ever any time where you were really supposed to go there? No, I don't think so. Um, so when Johnny called me, um, I'd actually, so we were, we got left off the last nitro. Um, and we, uh, I don't, I don't remember the timeline again. I apologize so much. I can, <laughs> I'm, I'm good to remember birthdays. Um, years and exact dates are terrible for me, but, um, so Johnny had called me and he had, no, actually he hadn't quite fired me yet because I got that call when I was in California after Nitro, I got a call about doing a run of shows in Central California for an independent um, at a college, out of all things. And it was pretty good money, and they, they're like, well, you're right off TV, and we're going to give you this. And I was like, well, I, technically, I've got a contract. So I called Bill, and I said, Bill, you know, I've got this offer, and it's this much for these many dates, but I, like, it's like le me leaving tomorrow or the next day. And he goes, go. And I said, what about breach of contract? He said, if the company closes, you don't have a contract. Don't worry about breaching it. They're not, I mean, don't worry about it. It's fine. So I went, um, and middle of that week is when Johnny, I, I got a call from my folks and they said, Hey, Johnny Ace called. He wants to talk to you. And I thought, well, that's not good. <laughs> um, so I called Johnny back. Um, and of course he gave me the, Hey, you know, and, and he's, he was in a, he was in a position to do a job. I can never be mad at somebody for doing their job. That's how they pay their bills. Um, I, I can't, I don't envy him for having to be that person to so many people. Um, but he handled me, uh, in my situation as, as gracefully, um, and as, and as nice as anybody could, he didn't know me all that. So Johnny Ace, I mean, I, I mean, people make a lot of jokes and they do the, the voice and stuff, but man, I've got nothing but respect for the guy for doing his job and, and doing it, um, you know, he, he gave me three, four minutes of his time when I knew he had other people he had to call to. So I, I respect that. 
So as far as after this, I know you do wrestle, not really regularly, but you do wrestle a, a bit. Is this like when you kind of said to yourself, I'm going to slow down. I'm not going to do as much wrestling basically after WCW is over? No. So what I did was I sulked like a baby. Um, <laughs> I stuck my I stuck my head up my rear end as far as I could. And I said, well, you know what? Wrestling can basically go to hell. I mean, honestly, that's where I that's where I was. Um, looking back, I tell people now, I say, you know, 21 year olds should never be allowed to make life decisions. Um, <laughs> there's that's just something we shouldn't be able to do, because at least for me at 21, my brain was obviously not fully developed. Um, I, I was 21 years old, just got uh, off a contract with the second largest wrestling company in the world. And I thought, you know what? It, it's all over. It's gloom and doom. And, you know, it'll never happen again. And I worked all my life. I was 21. I mean, it's so dumb even hearing myself say it. Um, but, yeah, so I, I felt like, you know, since I had been wrestling for several years on the Indies, I felt like uh, this my whole life's work, you know, my my Mona Lisa, everything that I'd worked for to do was just was gone and would never be able to attain it again <clears throat> so um yeah I, I stuck my head up my rear end and i said you know wrestling is gonna be whatever and it'll be whatever without me so i you know i said hey i'm bill i'll be there when i'm in georgia i, I did some no showing for him and i feel terrible about that because bill's always been so good to me um but i i just basically followed my favorite rock band around the country um having a good time for about 10 years after that, um, I would wrestle sporadically. I did some booking. Um, when wrestling started kind of, it's one of those things, if you've ever tried to get away from pro wrestling, um, it's like a bad breakup. You can't ever completely just get completely away from it. There's always going to be, you know, something that your social media will pop up or, or some, some memories going to always come back and it'll try to dig back in. Um, so pro wrestling started trying to come back around on me in about 2010 and I started booking some shows locally and, and it was cool because I mean, I, I was out of shape, but I, I could have fun matches and started kind of getting back in ring shape. And I started booking a lot of the TNA folks. Um, we were drawing, I think I drew 1300 people to a little town in, in Northwest Georgia called Cedar town for uh, me and a guy named Bobby Hayes against the Steiner brothers. Um, and then I started using guys like I used Kevin Nash. I brought AJ in, um, I used a lot of the knockouts. I used uh, Awesome Kong and Velvet Sky and and all those folks. So it was, it was kind of like wrestling fantasy camp, honestly. Um, it was a way to, to bring me back around to pro wrestling or, or vice versa, bring pro wrestling, pro wrestling back around to me um, without having to do it on a any kind of a stressful level um, and just really have fun and kind of rekindle that love that I had, you know, for the business that I'd had since I was five, six years old. So that was that was a good thing. So as we hit the wind down and head towards the finish, any regrets in the business? Anything you wish you would have done or maybe even done differently? Um, you know, I, and this will sound so cliched, but no, because um, I'm of the belief that every decision and everything we do, you know, that old the, the butterfly effect, right? Every little action has a reaction, right? So, uh, man, I'm going to I'm going to walk in my house here in a minute and, and I've got a, a a nine-year-old daughter named Perry and a three-year-old daughter named Piper um, who are the absolute, I couldn't sit down with God and fill out a form for two kids that I want, you know, and pick every option that I want, like buying a car or something and, and get two kids any, any more perfect than mine, man. Um, and my wife's in there and she loves me, even though I'm a butthead and a, an old wrestler brain half the time, but 
you know, we're blessed. We've got a roof over our heads. We've got, you know, we've got food, we've got each other and, and, you know, I've got my family. So wrestling's great, man. Um, but it's not that God, I feel feel like I'm being so cheesy, but I mean, wrestling's not everything. It's, it's great to have, and it's great to be a part of, but man, once you see that, that, that family life and all that's, that's, it's still there and it's available and you can actually have that, you know, the, the white picket fence or, or whatever cliche I need to throw out there. But, um, once you realize how much cooler that is and how much cooler being dad is than being air Paris is, man, it's just, there's no going back from that, you know? Absolutely. God, I sounded, God, I sounded cheesy. Can you turn a, like a cheese filter on for me on that one or something? But I mean, it's all true. I mean, cheese grater sound going or whatever. (laughs) But you know, it's all true, man. I mean, uh, have you got kids? Yep. Two. Man, man, the day you had your first one and got that first look in the eyes that changed your life, didn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's there's just not man that yeah, it being a being a, a star or a pro wrestler is, is is awesome. And I think everybody that's ever had a chance to do it would agree, but man, being a dad is that's the best thing that you could ever try to be. So Yes, absolutely. But just looking you back of your career favorite opponent would it be AJ Styles or maybe there's somebody else in there him or David um probably pretty equal <laughs> maybe for work rate god they're so close I'll say David just because it was easier because he would slow down for me um and AJ wanted to make me work harder all the time <laughs> uh, David would come in hang uh, hung over sometimes too and want to slow down anyway so I'll say David just for this year, um, <laughs> just for that fact. You were in there with some pretty good ones. You mentioned the Steiners, Nash, uh, obviously AJ, DDP, I think Bobby Eaton at one point too. So, I mean, quite I a, tagged quite with a, Bobby Eaton. That, gosh, man, the nicest guy. What a what a legend. You know, Bobby was great. I wrestled Jerry Lawler. That was a cool one. I got to wrestle Rey Mysterio. That was really cool. But those were just one-offs, so I can't really throw them as my favorite of all time. Were you running conventions too, or no? I did one. I booked one in Rome, Georgia, in September of eighteen. Um, gosh, you want to talk about something just kind of snowballing? It started out as a really small convention, um, and we ended up. And I'll just name the people I can remember. We had um, the Young Bucks, Booker T, Jeff Jarrett, Karen, um, Main Gene, Demolition, Ronnie Garvin. Um, Tom Pritchard, Francine Sandman, Robert Gibson, Paul Orndorff. Gosh, I know I'm forgetting a bunch of people. It was insane how many people we had show up. Dave Milliken came out with all the belts. Uh, Demolition was there. Uh, really just, it, it was incredible. But it was the most stressful thing I've ever done. Um, just trying to make sure everybody was there and everybody was happy. So I decided to never, ever book another convention after that. It is crazy putting that together it is a it is a pain in the ass so there's no doubt about that a lot of respect for those folks who do you know wrestlecade and all those just incredible i i maybe it gets easier after the first one but i don't see how no it's oof. the, <laughs> the stress is crazy I, I used to run small ones i mean we're talking about really small ones a couple hundred people or so and, and you know you bring in you know, 10 15 guests and that was crazy so oof, man those bigger ones are nuts Oh yeah, it's insane, but it's fun. I mean, in the same brown, I had, um, forgive me, I had Storm on it as well. Um, 
it, it was worth it. I mean, at the end of the night, my kid got brought in the ring and, and the, she threw the two sweet up and the bucks had the cease and desist shirt out at the time. So they're like, Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. And then I was like, well, she can. So then uh, Nick throws her up on his shoulder and she throws the two sweet up and the whole place just pops huge for her. It was very cool. Nice. That's awesome. So what's next for you? What do you got going on next? Um, to be, uh, you, you mean wrestling wise or life wise? Both. Uh, well, um, we have a huge dance party coming up Saturday night. We, I've booked a, uh, I've, book, I've booked a venue. Uh, my daughter's tenth birthday is Sunday, so the biggest, the biggest objective on my horizon right now is making sure this little lady has the, the biggest, coolest, baddest dance party that Chattooga County, Georgia, has ever seen, um, and that her friends all have a good time. Um, after that, we're we're just gonna roll into Christmas, man. As you can see, man, I and I apologize for not being a more interesting guest wrestling wise, maybe, but, um, my focus is definitely family oriented now. Um, and then getting this business off the ground, um, everything's going good so far. Um, but you know, talking about running a convention, man, opening your own, your complete, your own store is, is, uh, maybe a couple of conventions rolled into one as well. Minus all the wrestler headaches. So where can everybody find you? It's a plug as far as social media or anything else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I just under my, my, my shoot name, brother. It's Frank Paris with two R's in Paris on Twitter. I'm air Paris 33, but basically all I do is retweet funny stuff that Shane Helms puts out there. So <laughs> you can find my Twitter at Shane Helms com <laughs> right. Right. and save and save yourself a, a click. Um, and then I'm, I'm on Instagram, but I never post or anything on there. But I mean, if anybody ever wanted to reach out, um, and you can find me at most widespread panic concerts uh, across the country whenever they're playing. Awesome. Great stuff. Air Paris, Frank, thank you so much for all the time. Appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope I didn't do too much dad talk, man. I apologize for that. No, good stuff. Love it. Good stuff all the way around. Thank you, brother. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.